Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Comic Source Podcast. I'm your host, Jace. This is a creator-owned spotlight. We're here uh, with a returning creator, one of my favorites, uh, a pal of mine, Jimmy Palmiotti, here to talk about his current Kickstarter campaign for Tr- Trigger Girl 6 Justice. Jimmy, thanks for taking the time, man. Uh, my, my pleasure, Jace. Always great to see you. Yeah, great to see you. Great to talk. Uh, and everybody, we're recording this a few days before San Diego. Jimmy and I are going to see each other here in a few days. Uh, and I wanted to ask you, uh, we'll get into what the book's about, but the timing sure. of it, you know, we were talking about getting ready for San Diego, how chaotic that is, was part of the th- thinking, even though you're putting a little extra on your plate at a busy time, that, hey, this is a chance to uh, all the fans at San Diego, hey, I have this campaign going, you want to check it out, that sort of thing? Yeah, I, so, you know, I was thinking two things, right? Like, I go to San Diego, and that's my world for the week, right? But I remember when I didn't go to San Diego, all I did was read news about San Diego, and this is coming out, and that's coming out. And I was kind of like, oh, I'm, I feel like I, I you know, I, I want to get some of the stuff there and I couldn't get it, you know, yeah. um, because I think, you know, this too, I'm a huge comic book fan. So yeah. one of us I still buy comics every week and I still I buy art, I buy, you know, so missing San Diego was tough for me because I did it since 91. Right. And um, so when, when Patrick and I were talking about Patrick Wedge, who works with me, we we're talking about uh, launching Trigger Girl 6, I said, I want to do it before San Diego. And I said, for a couple of reasons. One, that week I'll be in San Diego. I'll actually be able to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And then people, I'm a, cons- so I'm one of those consumers that if you're going to talk about a product or a new thing, I want to immediately have it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like if you're telling me about Apple's new 3D glasses, or I want it. I don't want to read about it and then forget about it for eight months. I want it that day. And, um, you know, I try not to. I, I, I try not to talk about the Kickstarters until a couple of days before it. Now, these guys that argue with me, they advertise their Kickstarter for four months in advance, and you know. But for me, I feel like it already happened in a weird way. And um, it's like movie trailers and clips. It's like if I see enough of them, I already feel like the movie was out, right? In some yeah. weird sense. So I figured, let me do it right before San Diego. And then during San Diego, people can actually back it during the week. And I'll, I have a Kickstarter panel. I'll be talking about it. I have a couple of panels with, um, we have a couples and comics panel. I will plug this thing uh, everywhere I can. And then I'm walking around and I'll have postcards. So I'll have these postcards and it has a thing you can scan on the back, takes you right to the campaign. And I'm going to hand those out. And if people want them signed, they're really nice. We made these things up for the show. And it has some artwork of Amanda's in the back, some design artwork she did. Um, and I just figured, well, this gives me a chance to to kind of promote it uh, other places be- at the con. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, comic sites don't really want to cover Kickstarters, you know, as, as a rule. Because we don't want to, we don't have money to pay for advertising. Yeah. And, um, they, you know, I can't tell you how many places I reach out to and say, hey, if you wanted me to do an interview or I can write out an interview or get somebody to interview me and I can give you some exclusive content for the, for your site and then give them pages. No one ever takes me up on it. They, uh, the only one I'd say is bleeding cool. He's, you know, rich, rich kind of grabs it a lot. Um, but most of them don't cause they really, there's nothing for them in it. There's nothing in, in it for them. I'm sorry. And, um, you know, they're too busy worrying about Marvel and DC and whatever, whatever, you know, Superman's new, uh, pair of boots or, uh, yeah. You know, or Spider-Man 85, you know, where uh, Uncle Ben, Spider-Ben, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they, they're, they're pushing the same content over and over. And 
it is having the effect of people is sick of just hearing the same thing over and over. But I know for the Kickstarter, I have to go out there and promote it and wave the flag. And, you know, this is my 21st Kickstarter. And um, we built up an audience by delivering a great product. So I do have an initial five or 600 people that the minute I have the Kickstarter up, they back it within a day or two. And then it's the three weeks after I have to hustle my ass off to try to get people to give it a shot or at least buy the digital two books for 10 bucks, you know, like give that a shot Um, or try something new in their life, which is something that, you know, it's not so easy to do. You know, if you look at our summer movies, you realize that people don't really want anything new. They want part 75 of something. And uh, it just says a lot about about what's going on in the world right now. Yeah, it's it's too bad too because I mean you you know me the reason I do what I do is because I want people reading comics you know and the you you put out great stuff you know you mentioned tw- you know twenty one successful campaigns and I know people reach out to you all the time aspiring creators hey I'm going to do a Kickstarter who should I ask for advice your name's always at the top of the list uh, but yeah. the other thing and you, you mentioned this right like you start the the day one launch you have a, a group five six hundred people that jump on right away it's that sense of community. Right. And that's another thing that I think is great. The fact that you're doing this right before San Diego, the people that aren't familiar or maybe aren't aware or haven't done one of your Kickstarters, they're going to get pulled into that sense of community. And I know you're very proud of, of the audience that you've built and everybody's welcome. All all fans of, of all genres are welcome oh, yeah. for your campaigns. Can you talk a little bit about that sense of community sure. and connections you've made? So, you know, I'm one of those creators that actually likes people. Um, you know, when I see people at a con, I kind of like, I'll stop and chat and, um, it's genuine. I actually genuinely like people. I kind of had this thing where Amanda pointed out to me once and I always ask people what they do for a living. And I I wasn't even conscious of that, but I'm always interested in what they do and no matter what their job is, you know? Um, so I like people. So when I'm at the cons, I always have to remind people, if you see me come up and say, hi, don't give me the, Hey, I saw you at the con, but I didn't want to bother you thing. Because, you know, I'm like, why do you think I'm there? Right. <laughs> you know? um, and, you know, the signings are limited at cons, right? Because I have to sit down and then they have somebody with a line push you through. And I, I, Amanda and I try our best to kind of engage everybody. But when it's run by somebody else, it's a little difficult for us because they, they're like, okay, you have to move the line. And we're all like, oh, no, wait, wait, we're still we're finding out about this person's thing. And right. or they, they have a book or they want to show me their art. Um, uh, but with the, you know, with the Kickstarter... It, the Kickstarters are a result of um, me and my work being controlled by other people in a way. Um, I love working for Marvel and DC and Image and all those guys, but at the end of the day, I'm working for somebody else on their character. And it, I, I always say, I think I paid my dues with that between event comics and Marvel Knights and, you know, uh, runs a hundred plus issue runs on Harley and Jonah Hex and, you know, doing Power Girl and Vampirella. And I don't know, I've done so much work. And I figured like, okay, and I've always kept the creator thing on the side, but Kickstarter has allowed me to branch out and reach out to new people. People that may say, you know, the comics are a little too mild for me or the mainstream's got a little too bland or repetitious. And I, with my books, I try to be creative. I, I do have my characters I revisit like Trigger Girl or Painkiller Jane or something. But for the most part, I try, I also experiment a lot on the books. And I have this very loyal audience that says, well, you know, even if we don't like it, we're going to give it a shot. And they know that I fuss over the production of the books and the artwork is always 
you know, the best I can get, the covers are by the best guys in the business, guys and girls in the business. Amanda's always doing some crazy stuff for the books. And uh, and then I, the printer is in Fort Myers, which is not too far from where I live. So I'm able to go there and look over the press and tell them to make the black plate blacker. And it's the kind of control that I don't have working for somebody else. You know, right. a lot of times I get the comics and they're flimsy and it's, you know, they're charging a decent amount and, and they're, they're literally, they feel disposable. And I feel like, I feel like what I'm doing is art in a way. And I, I think art has to be, uh, has to have a little more tender love and care to it. So I'm creating uh, books and then there's a whole other side, right? There's a whole crew that are collectors. So they're buying the Adam Muse cover. Right. Um, because it's only limited to whatever's ordered in the campaign. Last campaign we had the Adam Muse cover, I think it was limited. I think we sold around 300 and that book's like $1,200 now. Yeah. And so there is a collectability aspect, meaning we only print what the orders are. We print 10% above the orders because we have to allow for uh, damages. Right. That happens a lot. And, um, but we print 10% over. So your number is pretty accurate. So if we say we sold 300, that means it's probably around 330 to 350 copies total. Uh, we don't go more than that because they cost me a decent amount each book. And I don't have that kind of money to sit on books. And I don't have the space to sit on books. So these Kickstarters are multi-purpose. They get my original ideas out there. I connect with my audience. My audience definitely tells me what they like based on how they back the projects. And then everyone reaches, you can reach out to me in Kickstarter and ask me a question or, um, and if there's any issues or problems, they're usually talking to me or Patrick and we resolve them pretty quickly. You know, we take care of it. People move, people get their packages damaged, whatever. We always show the damaged package online because we like to give the post office a little nudge. Um, but it's, it is really grassroots. We're not talking, look, I wish I had, you know, 10,000 people at backup, but I have a, a, almost a thousand that are loyal and they spend on an average around 40 to 60 bucks each. And that covers everything. My artists all get paid much more than they get paid from anybody else. I make sure my guys are all taken care of and then they get books and they, you know, again, I'm not in it to, um, it's not greed driven. This is quality driven. And it's, you know, I want to be able to keep telling stories and keep doing books. So it's, it's been an interesting ride. And yeah, I do help a lot of people with their stuff. Um, I asked them if they watch videos on it yet, and then you can hit me with questions. Don't hit me questions like, so what is Kickstarter? Yeah. I, I'm not that guy. You know, you can ask ask me, wait a minute, I'm having a problem shipping this. What should I do? Well, that I can help you with and, you know, that kind of stuff. But <laughs> I get guys that ask me, hey, can you run my campaign? I'm like, no. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I, have a, I have a life, you know. But exactly. Busy enough. Uh, well, it's interesting. You know, you mentioned coming back to uh, some of these ideas. Trigger Girl Six is a uh, is a property that was uh, around before. Having done so many campaigns, first of all, let me ask: Is there any nervousness still that you're worried about being funny, or is that gone away? I uh, the first day I sweat it right because everyone around me has more confidence than I do, right? So everybody's like, "Oh, you, you'll do great," but and I'm like, I don't know, you know, it's not Painkiller Jane, it's Tree Girl Six. A lot of people don't know what that is. And and then, uh, so what I do is I don't look at the campaign for the first six or eight hours. And so once I, you know, I'm, I'm figuring out that page for a week or two, way before it even launches. So I'm looking over every word, making sure, okay, I said that right. And Amanda, after the campaign goes up, goes, oh, you're, you that you spelled that wrong. And I'm like, ah, um, but 
it's actually like this next week and the week after the two weeks I worry about the campaign the most because it's sort of like the horses got out of the track really fast and now if this is the this is the part of the race in the middle of the track and this is the part that's the hardest because I have to convince people that wouldn't normally back one the reason to give it a try and you know thank god people like you there's word of mouth that people talk it up um, but even still, to pull a trigger on on even a ten dollar digital, it's not easy to get people to back it. They'll spend ten dollars on, you know, a hamburger, and they'll spend on ridiculous things. Um, but a lot of people have had bad experiences with Kickstarter, and not from me, but from other people. So the thing I get the most is, "Hey, Jimmy, I love you and your work, but you know, this guy screwed me in the Kickstarter. I don't want to do it." I always go, "Well, why don't you give me a shot?" Yeah, and. Let me show you how it's really done professionally and not take your money and run kind of thing. Um, you know, but it's it's hard. This is the this is the time where um I worry the most. Like next next week I'll have San Diego to keep me busy and I'll be handing out a million of these cards. So I'm hoping I told Patrick, I'm like, well, if if maybe one out of every fifty, I'll have at least five or ten pledges by the time I'm done. If one out of every fifty people get the card. Um, but you'd be surprised. I, I, I'll be handing it out. And people go, oh, I don't even know this exists. Right. Or I've never done a Kickstarter. Or what is Kickstarter? Yeah. And that's the, that's the crazy thing, right? Because I still, I run into that daily. I go in a comic shop and I'll have, I'll put a postcard and people go, oh, what is this? Like, what's Kickstarter? And I'm like, well, okay. A lot of people don't know what that is. And I'm, so it's kind of, you know, it's grassroots, man. Grassroots, you got to, you, you teach people one at a time. Yeah, yeah, something like this really helps, right? Because we're talking about it, and they're like, "Oh, okay, that's let me let me look into that." You know, yeah. And maybe we maybe we should actually get into the uh, the pitch of the book here again. I mentioned it's, sure. uh, it's a character you've done before. Phil Noto, I think, did the art the first time around. Yeah. So you're coming back to the character. So talk a little bit about uh, your decision to come back to the character and kind of uh, yeah. what the elevator pitch is for this particular series. Sure. the uh, The book was launched in um, the book was launched. Oh, I want to say. That, maybe 2012 or 13, I think. And uh, it was written by uh, Justin Gray and I, and the man that just ran the background. Um, and uh, they were at a Starbucks and a haircut. Um, and uh, it was it was written by us, drawn by Phil Noto, and it was like a four or five part story we, we published in a book for Image Comics called Creator Own Heroes. And uh, the basic story was that it's it's a little bit in the close future, and animals are becoming extinct and society's a mess. It's not so far from what's going on right now. Yeah. Um, except, long story short, the animals need to protect themselves and mankind isn't doing the job. So they, the animals create uh, uh, these assassins called trigger girls and they're a mix of animal DNA and human DNA. And they send them out on missions to kind of, you know, level out the playing field for themselves. And in the first issue, they used the, the, the DNA of the president's um, the president's mother uh, because she was a scientist. She was the first scientist to break the communication between animals and humans, being able to create a uh, community where they can understand each other. And it's, so it's a sci-fi thing about a, a girl that was sent to kill the president because he's messing with the environment. And by the end of that first story, you know, he realizes what he's doing. There's this, it's, they, they, they're introduced to the animals that can talk. And then this new story would go in a couple of years later, 
and we see Drew Girl on the cover. She's breaking up an operation. These people that that pretty much they get um, these species that are uh, in trouble and they're cooking them for meals, you know, to rich people. Like you know, get and in this book we open up with them going to serve up a dolphin meal, <laughs> and there's only a certain amount of dolphins left on a planet, and the story continues from there where she's going after the people that did this but also it's a couple years later and she's realizing that this girl that was born out of a test tube never really had a life yet like she doesn't she's been on a job and uh the animals are realizing that wait a minute she hasn't had a like a regular time off or anything to find out who she was herself and they're like we made a mistake here you know we created this life and we're actually just put it to use so the animals kind of give her a vacation. And of course, chaos happens during a vacation. So it's it's kind of fun. It's sci-fi. It's a little romance. It's a, a lot of fish out of water. And literally, there's fish out of water in, <laughs> in one part. Um, actually, mammal out of water. Um, but uh, it, it's a lot of fun. And I didn't want to do a book with this character again until I had a story. So I did sit on this for a couple of years. And then when uh, I was finished with Painkiller Jane with uh, Juan Santa Cruz, I pitched him. I said, here's the idea I got for Trigger Girl. It's going to be like 50, 60 pages, in, but we're going to break it up in two books. But would you be interested? And he never says no to me. I love that guy. Um, and um, and then during COVID, I was learning how to color. I, I wanted to take up. I was either going to learn a language or try to do some other kind of skill. And I decided, let me try to learn how to color. And I, and I, um, so I learned how to use these programs and I did all this. I watched a million YouTubes. Oh my God. There's people that love to teach. And, um, yeah, every day I practiced, practiced. And then this is the first two entire books I've colored. So if you like it, great. If you don't, you can yell at me. That's okay. You know, um, but I just wanted to learn something new and try another skill out, you know, and, uh, that YouTube is amazing because literally anything you want to learn, somebody's going to teach you. You got a broken pipe. There's a guy to walk you right through it. You know, same thing with coloring. I, I used, I bought an iPad and used the procreate program. And within like a week or two, I got the basics down. And then I realized like, okay, now it's down to how I see things. Now it's down to skill. You know, the initial part was down to like, learn, learn, learn basics. Yeah. Now it's, now it's up to skill and seeing the world differently. And, uh, so it's been an interesting trip. <laughs> Do you feel it's helped your storytelling? Because I feel like there's so much, uh, when it comes to color, that's the emotion of the comic, right? Uh, yes. When you talk about like a horror movie or something like that, it's the soundtrack. It, it's the sound that kind of amps your odor. I feel like in comics, it's the color that can evoke, you know, a certain emotion and, and pull you in. So that can help you like with the narrative, right? With your actual storytelling, making sure the beats hit and that sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, in my scripts, a lot of time I would put color notes in color. So my colors could find them right away. Yeah. Um, but I'm very conscious of time of day in them. So if it's morning or night, it's a low light. So there's long shadows. I'm, I'm like, I'm looking at everything now. I'm looking at the shadows and trees and I'm, I'm looking at all this stuff, how light hits the wall and stuff like that. Um, so, and I've always been a color editor, meaning my books would come in from colorists. I'm sure Paul, you can do a whole show with Paul Mounts talking about me, giving him notes, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and I realized that I, I have a certain style I like in the coloring, and that's what's in the book. You'll see in the book, it's a little European in some spots because it's literal and it's textured. 
Um, and I noticed modern superheroes like a real simple coloring. And I'm not a Scooby-Doo type guy, meaning the flat colors and stuff right. like that. I like texture and depth, you know. And um, so I learned a lot from Paul and Alex and Claire. And I, I actually ran the coloring by those guys. And they had some nice F you, you got it already, you know, that kind of thing. It's very sweet of them. Um, but it's a learning process. I'm actually coloring another book. And I colored a bunch of Amanda covers that are on DC and Marvel books. Most people don't know them because my name is in color and it's tiny because because those are Amanda covers. I'm just coloring them, you know, but coloring can make or break a book. And and I uh, I I'm a true believer in comics are visual first. And if you don't like the way they look, I don't care how great the writing is. You're not going to want to read it. At least that's me. I can't read an ugly comic. But I can look at a terribly written comic with beautiful art all day long. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. You know, is it exercise a different part of your brain? I mean, is it is it relaxing at all to do coloring? It it is. It is. It's it's like I can listen to music while I do it, which is really nice. Like where people are singing. When I write, it's only music, music soundtracks, or right. uh, you know, uh, classical music. Um, with the coloring, I can listen to actual music or, or somebody book, reading a book or something because I'm focusing on what I'm doing. It's just, it is another part of your brain. Um, and I think I'm older now and, you know, I think it's okay to kind of keep that, that empty chamber moving a little bit. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm constantly trying to learn new things. And I think, and I, I man, and I have this discussion a lot. I said, the people that get older and turn back technology get older quicker. Yeah. You know, they fight technology. Like, I don't know how this thing works and they throw it. You know, I'm not that guy. I'm like, let me see how this works. Let me let me get this or let me watch a video. Oh, OK, let me do that. Um, I, I think it has a lot to do with, um, you know, keeping you young. And I'm, I'll be 62 in, in uh, August. What? And I did not realize you were, I thought you were like right around 50, like my age. Oh, thank you. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely young at heart. That's for sure. But <laughs> my brain is in that kid mode. You know, it's like I'm excited with every comic I do. And when they come out, it's like a big deal for me. And I, I've never lost that. And I think it's because and it's funny because I, I see a lot of my peers and they have this attitude like, yeah, it's another book. or it's a, And I'm like, I'm like, I can't get to that yet because I'm still I'm still in shock. I'm actually doing work in comics, you know, um, and I have been doing them since 91, you know, full time. But I, but it's like a, a career where I feel like something's new all the time. Um, and, uh, you know, and I've been lucky. I mean, you know, I, I've had more hits than I, I've had more failures than hits, but people only remember the hits. Yeah. You know, and um, and I get to revive all my failures in Kickstarters. Yeah. And on that note, everybody, if you haven't heard me talk about 21 Down that Jimmy did with Hayes Who Sizes, my favorite thing he ever did. Go check it out. If you have not, I will die on that hill. That is such a fantastic book. I love that. Jace, I, I, I will tell you, you know, um, there will be something to make you very happy soon. Oh, That's all I can I say. Wait. I can't wait. I yeah. cannot wait. I can't get uh, the property. I can't get the property back. Right. I don't they own DC owns it. Yeah, DC owns it, yeah. But we've been talking and they've been like, Well, maybe we could do this thing for you. And they're they've been really great with me. I mean, I've gotten everything from GI Zombie, Resistance, I've gotten uh Twilight Experiment. They've given me all that back, which is great. And I'm, and there's books of those coming soon. But Twenty One Down was one that they were like, Well, it ties in with Wildstorm, yada yada yada. 
but we do have a 13th issue that never sort of light a day. Yes. And, and, and uh, hang on one second. You got one second? I'm gonna, I can I could tease it a little bit for you because I was just looking at it earlier today, which is just a weird, weird circumstance of things. Yeah, um, the fact that there's another issue out there that I haven't been able to see or read, uh, that's crazy to me. So, yeah, see. We'll just, this is, uh, let me. Yeah, and Jesus uh, is just amazing. Such a talented guy. Yeah, he's he's um, he's working hard these days. Wow. Know, our, let's see, is there focus here? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, just gorgeous. Um. I love this splash page where you've got like a person just walking. Yeah. Yeah. You that one up on Twitter a few times. I did. I did. I, I kind of teased the book because I thought it's never going to see the light of day. But things happen when you're nice to people. Right. right. And uh, the, the, these, the guys at Warner Brothers have been super, super cool with me. So, um, so we're working on that. And we'll have an announcement for that in a couple of months. Cool. Hopefully. Sounds good. Uh, well, getting back to Trigger Girl 6, one of the other things I wanted to ask you, and you mentioned uh, when you were talking to Juan about it, deciding to do it in two issues to break it up. What was the um, the thinking beyond, behind that? Okay, so originally I was going to do it as a one-shot. That would be like 36 pages. And what happens is with these things is I write them, and then I go, okay, there's something missing there. Let me add this. And then I look at the, I read it again. And I'm like, okay, I can blow this part up a little bit. Or, wow, I didn't even think of why. And I just keep adding pages and adding pages. And um, before, I even give it to Juan, right? And then by the time I was done, this one had like a, it was a lot of pages. I could have done it as a trade book. Mm -hmm. Except that I found the Kickstarter people love comic books right they don't necessarily care about collected editions like i thought we've done collected editions in hardcover rage was a hardcover and um retrovirus right that was a, re a retrovirus and you know a killing time in america um but lately i've been a lot of guys tell me you know I, I wouldn't mind if it's two comics you know as long as it's around the same price which it is mm -hmm. um so we break it up and that gives us an opportunity to throw some more covers on it and kind of get creative with breaking it up. Like the Painkiller Jane one, I had a dream sequence opening the second issue and that was done uh, by Peach, you know, mm -hmm. and I was, I was able to get some work from her. And um, so it, it kind of gave us room to experiment more. And with Trigger Girl, I, talk, I talked to John J. Hill and I'm like, you know, it, it has a natural break in it. I said, but I want to add pages. And he goes, story. And I said, no, I want to break it up into chapters. And then Amanda said, well, I'll do chapter breaks. I'll do the eight or 10 chapter breaks you need. So she did these graphic chapter breaks and I'm like, okay, that's kind of cool. You know? Yeah. Um, look, one day, I think my, one day my Kickstarter will be, you know, an omnibus with all my Kickstarters in it, maybe right. 10 years from now, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But for now, um, yeah. So we did the two comics, which allows Amanda to do some covers and we got these Joe Linsner covers that are just beautiful that Joe did. And, and then, of course, I asked my buddies like Ryan Sook and Adam Hughes and, and, of course, Dave Johnson. Like, I'm surrounded by these really talented people that have no time, no time to do anything. But I make them an offer they can't refuse, and I get these great covers out of them. I mean, Adam's been so damn generous, and Joe Linsner and Dave Johnson and even Ryan, Ryan, all his work. 
he was like, let me, let me go. I got an idea. You know I'm like? That's the fun part with me is like, I, I get to pay these guys what they're worth, not what the company decides. Right. And I make sure they have a stack of books so they can sell them at shows. And, you know, um, but I, you know, I just split it into two people seem to like it. They, you know, we kind of like feeling it out. And I think it does better when it's two books rather than doing a 48, uh, not a 48, but a 64 page square bound. Yeah. A lot of times people are like, well, I want to see GC them. And if it's like a square bound thing, I don't want to do that. And I'm like, I don't care what you do after, after you buy them, give them a read and then light them on fire for all I care. Have fun with them. Yeah. They're your books. But um, we've been doing We did it with Jane and we just did it with this one. And so far, so good. Yeah. You know, I, ha I had no idea that was the reason behind it. And sitting here thinking about it. Yeah. I I actually prefer single issues. I mean, that's why I still go every Wednesday. Yeah. I won't pick up something in hardcover, uh, you know, especially if that's the only format. But yeah, if I had the choice between the two, I'm going to go for the single issues. Yeah. I, I, I think it's a conditioning of our, uh, the way we were brought up reading comics. And I, I haven't had, like with the Jane kicks, I haven't had one complaint. I haven't had one person go, why isn't it one issue? I, everyone I got it goes, oh, it's cool. I got two of them. Yeah. Yeah, like you said, you get a chance to have, you know, more cool covers and that's not a, that's not a bad. Yeah. Thing. And you know, plus I get to, with this, we raise a little more money. I'm able to do stretch goals. The last one had stickers and had a print and a, you know, we can do the stretch goals and give people more stuff. So when they open the package, it's a whole bunch of things, you know, and I, I think that's the fun part of the campaigns is that it's not just that it's like, you can see, all the work being put into everything. And I, I even pack up half of the packages myself. I usually just sign the box yeah. with my initials real quick. That usually means I saw it, I packed it. Um, but I've learned how to pack like around, I don't know, 100, 120 boxes a, a day. I'm pretty good at that. And, um, you know, I have all these services offering to do it, but my thing is I can't trust them that they're going to pack it the way I like it packed. Right. Yeah. You know, like they put one piece of tape around it, but I put a piece of tape and I put, tape on the sides in case it rains or in case you're in a snowy place. I'm like really protective about it. And then of course I put it in a, in a bag and board in a bag inside the box and then tape up the box. I'm just, I'm a nut for having things be mint and perfect shape. So well, that goes back to you being one of us, being a collector like us and yeah. wanting you know, the high quality. And, and also the other thing I wanted to mention is you know, you mentioned it's not a greed thing. And that's the other thing I love about your Kickstarters. When you hit start, you know, when the, the numbers start getting up there, you're not just taking that money and just pocketing it. You turn around and put it back in and we do get the stickers and we do get the prints or we get spot gloss on the cover or just cool shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. I got, you know, it, there's a, it's funny because it hits a certain number and I'm able to, okay, spot varnish costs this much more per book. I hit that number. I can do that. I can go in now. Um, you know, if we get up to like 70 something, I can actually go in and, He'll, he'll, the print will show me like, okay, well, these stocks are available to you. And I'm like, oh, let me see what, how the black printed on that. And, right. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, like the, the, um, the satin finish on the covers and like, there's a lot of little things. And again, I am one of those people that when I feel a comic, I, I, I'll give you a comparison uh, since I have one right here. Um, and then let's grab a, it is the last Painkiller Jane one. Uh, Joe Casada cover on it. It's spot varnish, but, but it's like you buy modern comics and the, the covers are the same stock as the inside of the book. Yeah. And my thing is the cover supposed to be there to protect the book. Mm -hmm. And this is, yeah, it's cardboard. It's not, it's not just a skinny piece of paper, 
But also, I love that the color is holds on it really well. Like I, I make sure it's. I'm sorry, we're out of focus. This is my new camera. It's. Uh, yeah, no, it's not through. We can see it. How it's nice Let's and see. shiny. Yeah. There you go. If it's up on my face, it, it grabs it right away. Right. There you go. And you know, and it, it just feels better. And, and again, we don't have all this UPC. I don't put any of that stuff on the books, so they're clean. And even if we reprint this down the line, let's say Image wanted to publish the Painkiller Jane's, you'll have the one that's only 400 copies. Right. Um, and that one will be, you know, thousands of copies. As a collector, I understand that because I'm like, I would want that one. I don't, I don't want the mass audience one. But we haven't really done it that much, reprinting them yet, because I feel like that's something to do maybe when I'm older, much older, and like I'm not producing as much or I, or I'm dead and Patrick and those guys start collecting it, you know, that, and you know, that happens, you know, people die. Yeah. <laughs> Don't go anywhere anytime soon, Jimmy. That's all I have. Nah, I'm not planning on it, but who knows? It's out yeah. of my control, you know, yeah, exactly. I'm not going skydiving. Don't worry. All right. All right. Well, uh, you mentioned, and we mentioned being at San Diego next week. Do you, uh, let's let everybody know where uh, they can find your schedule, social media wise, and or you know, sure. paperfilms.com, so, sign up for newsletter, all that sort of yeah. stuff. Yeah. So, so, so if you're on Twitter, you go to my page, you can find my schedule. It's right there. Um, I'm going to go simply, I'm going to say that uh, we're there Thursday to Sunday. Um, Thursday, we have two panels. Uh, it's one family affair about creating comics with people in your family. For me, it's me and Amanda. Um, I'm also on a panel with Scott Snyder and his daughter. And we're just talking about doing family, you know, comics as a family. And it's funny because that night we have a, a panel, 5.30, 6.30. It's happy hour with comic couples. So it's Billy Tucci and his wife. It's, uh, I think, Jeff Smith. I think it's uh, um, uh, uh, Brian Polito and Francesca. And uh, it's going to be all of us talking about what it's like to be a couple working with each other. So that's fun. And then Friday, we have a panel, 1130, celebrating uh, Red Sonja's 50th. And um, I think they're going to show the movie trailer during the panel. Oh, nice. So that should be cool. And then um, at 1 o'clock, we have uh, me and Amanda and a bunch of people, Dan Panosian. No, not Dan Panosian. I'm trying to think who's on the kick. There's a lot of people on it. We're doing a Kickstarter panel about lessons about doing the Kickstarter. So, again, to help people doing it. And we actually have a signing at 2.30 at the Kickstarter booth. Saturday, we have a signing with Z2 Comics to sign our Blondie book that we had come out. And um, and then I have a signing at the Image booth Saturday from 3 to 4 about a book they're going to announce on Friday. So you'll figure out what that is. And, uh, and then the last thing, Amanda has a panel Sunday at 11.30 about Gargoyles, the Disney cartoon, and basically Dynamite and Gargoyles. And uh, it's a light schedule. Um it's not that bad. It's like a bunch of panels and that's it. I will lose my voice by San Diego. It always happens. Yeah. I sound, I sound like really mean and but it's by Thursday or Friday, but um, it's going to be fun. It's a good show. I, I look, I like doing all shows. I, we have, um, there's so many uh, little shows that we've been doing. Amanda and I actually, the last five shows, we did all these small shows and it's been great. So it's been a good time. Yeah, well, like you said, you love people, you know, connecting with your fans. So yeah. uh, energizes you, right? And reminds you why yeah. you're doing what you're doing. Because it gives you a solitary thing. You're out there creating. It's like you put it out in ether, you know, what happens? What happens? Yeah, and my, and my friends are real critical. Like my good close friends are all like picky bastards, you know, and they, uh, 
they harass me, but I, I, I have to connect with the people that read the material. Yeah. You know, you know, as well as I do, you, when you do stuff, your friends and family don't even look at it. Yeah. It's always complete strangers that, yeah, that are all involved in what you do. And that's just the reality of the world. It's kind of funny that way. Yeah. Well, great chatting with you, Jimmy. Can't wait to see you and Amanda next week. Anything else you want to share with our, uh, our listeners as we're winding down here? No, just, uh, give, give a look to the Kickstarter page to, and, uh, if you have any questions, hit me up on social media. My, it's my name in both Instagram and, and Twitter. And uh, and uh, keep watching the, the comic source because uh, how are you going to know? Yeah, you know, exactly. You need Appreciate to it. Uh, and I will take this opportunity to remind everybody, as I always do when we do these uh, uh, creator-owned campaign uh, shows, the other thing you can do, like we understand that not everybody has the means to be able to join the Kickstarter all the time. Like maybe you would love to, and you know, you, you got other bills to pay and what have you. The other way, other than joining the campaign and being part of the community, the other way you can help Jimmy out is by sharing it. Cause like we were saying, there's people that just don't know They, you know, they would love to back it if they knew about it. So yep. sure. You know, tell your people, your, uh, your local comic shop, other, you know, your retailer, there's retailer bundles, other people you, you run into your friends, that sort of thing, share it on social media get the word out so everybody that wants to check out trigger roll six can uh, can have the opportunity so uh, i'll put a link to the campaign in the show notes uh, as well as a link to jimmy's um, paperfilms.com website and his social media so if you're going to be at san diego you want to know what the schedule is just go and click there so uh, again jimmy great to see you uh great to chat and can't wait to see you next week you too buddy take care yep and to you listeners we want to thank you for joining us as always we appreciate the support and we'll talk to you next time You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes, as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.